Well, we're going to talk today about something near and dear to my heart, and that is how do we make sure that the people who we love fulfill their purpose? How many of you work with children primarily in your ministries? How many of you work with youth? That's your passion. How many work with adults? How many would be all three of those? How many of you are paid for your ministry? And how many of you aren't paid in money but all the other ways? All right. How many of you have never been to an equipped conference before? Wow, that's so amazing. How many of you have been to like all of them or some in between? I don't want you to feel left out. All right. Well, gosh, what a joy to be with you. Um, so we're going to have some slides up here, I think, in a little bit. Because that's kind of scary, my big, I don't know. Okay, there we go. Hey, um, I want to bring you also greetings from Dave Reaver. How many of you have had Dave in your churches? So um, Dave is the reason I am in Fort Worth. He invited me uh, to Fort Worth and mentored me, and I am now on his board of directors. So I am his boss, which is so amazing. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, he'll introduce me that way, and it's just like, oh, that's just frightening. But um, so anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's get started. Let's talk about how to live on purpose. Now, I want you to listen for yourself. I know that you have purposeful agendas, or you wouldn't be in this space in this room today, but maybe the Lord will say something even to you for the way that you want to be living out your life, and then I want you to listen for the children, teens, and adults who you serve. We're going to look at five things that I think need to be in place for you to be able to help the people you love fulfill their purpose, and I'm just going to jump right in. The first one, just want to make sure this is where, look at that. The first idea is that um, God creates us intentionally and on purpose. Would you all agree with that? God creates us on purpose. God wants us. So when you meet people who are disenfranchised and dysfunctional and lonely and isolated and not confident of what's going on in their world, we need to remind them that according to the holy, accurate, transforming, always relevant word of God, they were wanted from the very beginning. They were wanted, they are wanted, and they are also, in addition to being wanted, created intentionally, personally, strategically by a God who knows what he's doing. And this will rock people's world who are ignored and told you'll never amount to anything and are told you're in my way and, and all of those kinds of things, which some of us know, children, teens, and even adults today here. A um, couple of scriptures to kind of confirm this, ones that will not surprise you. You know, John 3.16, we are wanted to be saved. He created us because he had so much love that he had to make people, but he didn't have to make you and he didn't have to make you you. But he made you and he made you you. And one of the passions of his heart, of course, is that you would know him and be saved by him. That gives us great value. Amen. And then a second idea, of course, is from Matthew 28, where he involves us in the Great Commission, where he allows us to witness his faithfulness to those who don't yet know him. And those verses also talk about discipling people and teaching people. Is that what you love doing? Yes. That would have been a yes. I don't know about other speakers, but when I speak, you can talk back. Like polite, appropriate, relevant talk back. Just in case Minnesota people don't know what I mean by that, all right? No, it's so, I mean, God could seriously snap his fingers, right? And take care of all the crud. He allows us and invites us into the passion that he has, that people would know him and make him known. And I think we're so privileged. And then Isaiah 43, verse 7. Oh, my goodness. Isaiah 43, verse 7 is a little verse that says that we are created for his glory. Amen? 
How many of you love knowing that? Like, it's not about us, amen? But how many of you are sick of a culture that makes it seem like it is about us? How many of you have people in your churches and it is about them? It's about their attendance and their giving and their seat on the front row. (laughs) Or not, but whatever. But no, we're created for his glory. At Celebrate Kids, we like to say that we really don't need to be remembered. My prayer is that you'll be blessed by the Lord through my ministry and that you'll, you'll talk about, remember what God taught me. I had an amazing encounter with God. I'm not here to perform or be popular or be good. I don't care about any of that. It's about putting God on display. And then Isaiah 43, 21, if you don't know this verse, and I know you're good at this, Isaiah 43, verse 21 says that we are created to declare his praise. Amen and amen. So why, why did he bother making us? That we would teach us about him, be rescued by him, glorify him through our being and our doing. Ooh, I dare you to write that down. Did you hear that? Glorify God through who we are and through what we do. Our being and our doing. It is much easier to glorify God through what we do, but it all starts with who we are. Everything we are turns up in everything we do. And paying attention to that matters. How many of you are parents? I'm just kind of curious. I met a gal here with seven kids. Oh, my goodness, you guys. Um, I dare you at the end of the day to ask your children, who were you today? And they're going to look like you, like I was Kathy today. (laughs) I know, but which Kathy were you today? Were you the kind, outgoing, confident, pleasant Kathy or the whining, complaining, controlling freak Kathy? Who were you today? Our being. Whoa can rock our world. Thanks for listening to that. And then we get to Isaiah 64, verse 8. Oh, a precious verse that I so enjoy teaching children. In this little verse in Isaiah, we read, Oh, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And we are all the work of your hand. Say the word all. All. Say it again. And say it again. Everyone you'll meet and everyone you'll never meet is the work of God's hand. He sat at the potter's wheel, and you were a mere lump of clay. And he sat there strategically, intentionally, and personally designing you for his glory and his good. I think think I'll make them a girl this time. They'll be so surprised. Oh, I think I'll give her very long fingers because playing the piano will be easier, and that'll delight her mom. I'll make her analytic like her dad, which will be good for that relationship. Drives the mom nuts, but it'll be okay. (laughs) Oh, and then I must remember to give her a very big heart because no one knows this yet, but she's going to have a little brother that's going to be hard to love. He absolutely knows what he's doing. We are the work of his hand. And if you want to bless the people in your fellowship, teach them that. On the day when they wonder if they matter and if they could matter if they changed. And then we get to Psalm 139, 13 and 14, verses that um, some moms and dads memorize before they've even conceived their first child. And David writes here, you know, that we are formed in our inward part. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray that this would be our attitude as we walk with God, that we praise him. Why? Because we're fearfully made. It's the same fear as fear God. It's the same Hebrew word, that we would have this awesome respect for ourselves. 
that we would not look in the mirror in doubt, that we wouldn't cut and do drugs and alcohol and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're wonderfully made. We're set apart. We're unique. Amen? I love to tell young people what I'm privileged to do so, but I'll tell you today that nobody has been and nobody ever will be created with your fingerprints. That's how creative God is. And if you're ever stupid enough to get in trouble with the law, they can find you because nobody has these. But more important than that, nobody has your scent. A bloodhound can smell something that is yours and go find you because nobody has been and nobody ever will be created who smells like you. I mean, smell yourself. It might be good that no one's, I don't know, but... You know, imagine your youth group going nuts over this, right? But, you know, more important than that, nobody has your brain cells and your intellect and your everything, your unique strategic combination of spiritual gifts and intelligences and personality and birth order and family. You're the only one in the world like you that we have, which doesn't stress us out, I pray, but challenges us to step up, I pray. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I'm going to come back to that verse, but I will say right now that when your soul knows very well that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made and set apart for God's glory, everything changes. Now, I want to go back to the way that this passage begins. It says that we are knit together. Could I remind all of us that knitting is a precise skill? The knitter before beginning chooses what to make. The knitter chooses the size of the knitting needles, the size and the type of the yarn, the color of the yarn, and what to make. Otherwise, you have a mitten, glove, scarf, hat, afghan, sweater, ugly thing that is a non-thing. <laughs> but when your God, your creator with a capital C, chosen his love to make you, you, for his good and his glory, he was strategic. And there's something yet about you that we need to find out. And one of the things that we're passionate about it celebrate kids is that children would live long enough and be strong enough to find out why they are, the, who they are. How many of you are delighted, don't lie to me, how many of you are delighted to find out more about who you are each and every day? Is there anybody that wants, yeah, yeah. How many of you didn't get it when you were young? <laughs> you know, you didn't get it when you were young. Praise God you chose to live. But we have generations of young people who are believing the lie of social media and the billboard and the lyrics and the TV sitcom dialogue mess and giving up and the hopelessness and the despair and the dropout rate from, from church and the dropout rate from faith and the dropout rate from school and the dropout rate from family and the dropout rate from life as we look at suicide. It's never been worse. It has nothing to do, by the way, with COVID. That amplified it a bit, but the data was there two and a half years ago. It's tragic. They're killing themselves because they don't know that there's a reason to keep living. A second thing that helps us um, help our people fulfill their purpose is, believe it or not, to see the strengths in the problems. To see the strengths in the problems. Or I could word that to see problems as strengths. Here's what I mean by that. To see strengths in the problems, or if you prefer to write it down, if you're taking notes, to see problems as strengths. Here's what we believe, and I think you'll agree with me. We often misbehave from our strengths. Would you be willing to be vulnerable here among your colleagues? How many of you would agree with me that your sin or your misbehavior, even adults misbehave, let's be honest here, how many of us would see that some of the negative choices we make 
come from our strengths and not from our weaknesses. I know that's true for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weaknesses concern us and drive us to our knees and cause us to pray real prayers. But oftentimes, it's our strengths that get us into trouble. Too much of a good thing is often not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that'll preach. Anything well done, overdone, is badly done. I was a chatty Kathy as a child. I got in trouble sometimes in school for talking. My mom and dad listened to me when they asked me how was school. My brother survived at the kitchen table. He also got to speak and listen. He's a brilliant clinical chemist at Emory University. My, my chatty Kathiness, my thes the thesaurus was one of my favorite books. And children are like, oh, get a life, lady. I'm like, no, I had a really good life. I really just enjoyed words as a kid, and now I'm an author of many books using a thesaurus to write them. Whoa, childhood causes adulthood. <laughs> Where are the children pastors in the room? Like, you rock. You know, I'm going to say to Chris Pruitt and your gang, I loved being with you at dinner last night. Don't anybody be offended by this, but it all starts with you. You don't love them in the church. You don't like them in the church. You don't let them serve in the church. You don't know their names in the church. Why would they keep coming back? Childhood causes adulthood. Today causes tomorrow. It matters so. My parents, when I was about 10 years old, they enrolled me in children's theater. They said, go tuck there a while. Um, it's a true story. Um, but I was on a stage, and that's where I learned to project my voice and use my body language and work as a part of a team. And where am I today? On a stage. When I was a high school student, mom and dad suggested that I go out for forensics, and I gave speeches. And what am I doing today? Giving a speech. Today causes tomorrow. Love them well now. Give them purpose now. Help them discover that within the problem, there might be a strength. See, my parents chose to see all the words in me as a strength to develop, not a problem to eliminate. My, pro my parents and grandparents and teachers and pastors saw all the words in me as a strength to develop, not a problem to eliminate. That's your power. Raise your hand if you're thinking of someone right now. Oh, look at that. Come on. Yeah. It might be you or a family member or a colleague or a volunteer or a person in your ministry who's been told over and over again, no, 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 stop that. If I would have been raised, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, would you shut up and go find something to do? I would not be here today. You matter. You matter. Now, boundaries are blessings when love is the goal. So, yes, I had to learn to be quiet. And I had to learn to give people the opportunity to speak and teach. Yes. See the strengths and the problems. Amen? Teach character. See, what did I need? Beside my mom and dad choosing to see this as a strength to develop, what did I need? Self-respect. Self-control, respect for others. If you yourself are struggling with a strength gone bad, what character do you need to rise up with? Who do you need to walk with? My grandfather was mayor of my city when I was growing up. I have a picture of him right above my desk in my office in Fort Worth where he's giving a speech. 
I have a picture of him with one of our presidents because he was the president of the U.S. Council of Mayors. He's the one who looked over at me. I was in the front row of the city chambers wearing a corsage as he was giving a city speech. And later that day, he said, Kathy, use all the words in you only for good and never for evil, only to help and never to hurt. I was raised, expected to be who I was created to be. My parents were not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was parented well. We thought church would save us. I don't have time for that whole story. It's a beautiful story of God's redemption. My dad came to faith in Christ 48 hours before he died of a massive unexpected heart attack. Don't ever stop praying for the people you love because God is hunting and on the move and will use you. Amen and amen. Would you honor the Lord and raise your hand if I've said anything meaningful? This is not about me. Okay. See, I just want to emphasize, praise God. Thank you for listening to me. I am not here to entertain you. I really do ask the Lord to bless you with this content. Let me give you a third thing that we believe needs to be in place for you and the people you serve to understand that they have purpose. And it is the idea that we cannot let our weaknesses win. Amen? Do not let your weaknesses win, but instead lead with your strengths. How many of you know people who are just all about their weakness? I can't, I can't, I can't. How many of you know that language, right? And, you know, or I won't, I won't, which would be disobedience. No, to not let our weaknesses win, but to lead with our strengths. Because we have them. But depending upon how you and the people you serve have been raised, depending upon even the school that they're in, depending upon your attitude when you welcome them, if you even welcome them, whoa, that could have come across as harsh. Um, <laughs> do you like me? I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's possible, thank you, it's possible that young people and older people today only know their, their weaknesses. Grieves me. My ministry is called Celebrate Kids. We should celebrate who they are, not just what they do. By the way, the name Celebrate Kids comes from what Jesus did for the forgotten generation. I love it when in the public school somebody says, I love the name of, like, Celebrate Kids. Where'd you come up with that? <laughs> do you really want to know? Because I can legally answer any direct question. Um, but let me give you a, a kind of a testimony and a story of what I mean by don't let your weaknesses win. Um, spelling does not come naturally to me. Is there anybody in the audience that can just go, yes? I mean, the English language makes no sense. And if you have learned it as your second language, I would love to meet you and congratulate you. Because our language is nuts. Quicksand is slow. Boxing rings are square. And if you fill out a form, you fill it in. One of my favorite examples of spelling is that the number four has a U in it, and the number 14 has a U in it, but spell 40. How many of you have never seen that before? Like, there's no U in 40. How many of you think that's, like, nuts? Could I just say that's nuts times two? I mean, somebody do the research and, and convince me it was the right idea. And you know, not only that, but you can read a book you read that has a red cover. I mean, seriously. And so if you put the E at the end of the word to make the first vowel long, put it there, but it doesn't always work. I had a kid say to me once, lady, we don't need the letter C. It makes the K sound and the S sound, and we have both of those. I mean, right? And then somebody's like, well, what about like, like CH and change? We need the C for the... And like, no, we could have a 27th letter for that sound. It would be easier. 
And then another kid in the little bubble of kids was like, well, Dr. Kathy, in the word science, is the S silent or is the C silent? Now, if I was really brave, I would unpack the spelling of certain Bible heroes in the Old Testament. How many of you don't preach certain passages because you don't want to be caught not knowing how to pronounce a word, right? Could I see your hands? Yeah, 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 yeah. You have your cheat sheet ready, right? Oh, my gosh. It's just crazy. But here's the thing, you guys. I have an earned PhD in reading. I'm an author of six books, number seven's in my head. I blog constantly. Why would I do that if spelling is a challenge? Because God told me to. I remember where I was in an elevator with Dr. Joseph Stoll when he was the president of Moody Bible Institute, and he said, why haven't you written a book? And I'm like, spelling. No, really, I didn't say that. That's crazy. You know. But how many of you be like, well, spelling is kind of hard. And God's like, so what? <laughs> like spell check, which doesn't always work. Your, 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 two, 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 there, there, there. Oh, my gosh. It's just wrong. Could I just, everybody say it's wrong. Just humor me. It's wrong. It's wrong. So, so spelling is a challenge, but I write because God told me to. And because I have spell check, and I have great editors at Moody Publishers, and I have a great staff, including John, who proofreads, and I proofread for you because we're a team. It's not, I'm not weak by having people help me. Amen? But that's my choice to believe that and the believing of my believing. Do you believe that about you? That when there's a challenge and a weakness, you don't give in and give up. You rise up and move out. And, and, but that takes, it takes a certain energy, doesn't it? It takes a certain character, doesn't it? Of humility and teachability and other-centeredness and purpose. See, if I don't have purpose to glorify God through who I am and what I do, then I will succumb to the weaknesses in my life. And I want you to hear something near and dear to my heart. I love to speak to children directly. I'm speaking to you. And here's what I'm going to say. I do not say I cannot spell. That's a lie. And I do not say spelling is hard. That's a lie. What I do say is spelling does not come naturally to me. Do not lie to yourself. And do not let the people in your church, young and old, lie. It's easy to lie. Am I right? Because frankly, giving up and giving in is easier than rising up and moving out. But it's not right. And God's going to wrestle, or we're going to wrestle with God. You know, you may have a thorn in your side. You know, I'm talking about don't let your weaknesses win. I could also say to each of you with respect and humility, I love you. I appreciate your positions in your churches. Let's not let our challenges win either. We may have a thorn in our side. And I am not equipping a spelling challenge to other issues that are really thorn-like, if you will. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You guys with me here? Like, I'm seated on a stool because I have a, a back issue. I have a, a left foot issue. I probably will change my shoes later. I'm honoring you with my good shoes this morning. Um, and please understand, I'm under great medical care. Um, I've been prayed for. I'm, I'm certainly open to your prayers. Um, it would be easier for me to stay home sometimes. It really would. Sorry. It's not fun to um, have almost constant pain. But I'm not going to give in to it because it doesn't glorify God. And when you... Yeah, it's, again, um, I'm... Well, 
the tears are unexpected. Um, but I love you, and I know that it's hard. But ministry's worth it. Because God's worth it, and his people matter, and you've been chosen and called to the place where you are. So I want to challenge you in maybe a new and fresh way. Don't let your weaknesses win. Don't let your challenges win. How many of you have people in your congregation, in your fellowship, in your assembly, who you are thinking of right now, who are maybe succumbing and giving up and, and getting tired? This is a word for them. Don't act like you don't see the challenge. Amen? Don't act like you don't see the challenge. If you do not feel their pain before you try to solve the problem, Thank you. They will feel ignored. Amen? If you do not feel their pain before you try to solve their problem, they will not receive your help. They will feel like a project you're trying to finish and a problem you're trying to solve. That is in the book I wrote called No More Perfect Kids. <laughs> Commercial, number one. Um, you guys with me? All right. Man. You're just sucking it out of me, which is so much fun. Okay, here's number four. Number four is that we have to change our attitude toward the things that can't change. We have to be courageous enough to change our attitudes toward the things that cannot change. Could I have an amen to that? We need to live long enough and be strong enough to find out why we are the who we are, and that includes the challenges and the weaknesses and the strengths and the fears and the doubts and the everything, we need to change what can change and leave the rest alone. I was created tall. I thought I was too tall. I was about six years old, and I walked home for the elementary school that I attended, and I said, Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. It's a true story, and I'm so grateful she did not say, well, get over it, you're going to be tall. I must have known that she would hear my heart cry. Be available to the heart cry of the people you serve. Be present like their technology is present, or better than that. Be open to the heart's cry. You don't have to have all the solutions. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to be willing to hear, Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. Pastor, I'm so frustrated for you to hear that is such an honor. Be someone's security. Be someone's person right there. Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. I didn't fit in the desks. How many of you are old enough to remember the custodian would have to come and, you know, raise the desk and lower the chair? Like, the custodian in my school knew my name. No custodian should know a child's name. But I would grow so fast that it would be so uncomfortable. And I was clumsy because if you grow fast, the tendons and it, anybody relate to that? I would trip over things that weren't there. It was just awkward. Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. Well, what are they going to do? Put a brick on my head? They could have prayed every night and I could have prayed every night. Oh, Father God, who loves me so, make me short. <laughs> and I wake up every day and I'm still tall. No, I believe in the God of the Bible answering our prayers, yes, when it's best for us. But it's not always possible, amen? And we've got to teach that to our kids. Because if I would have prayed, oh, Father God, make me short. I had a kid to say to me once, well, if you were like playing basketball with the NBA, you'd be short. <laughs> and actually, no, I wouldn't be. I would feel short. But I would still be tall. And so, but kids, oh my goodness. 
My mom and dad, they enrolled me in tap dance class. That's why I'm no longer clumsy, by the way. And I got to be the center of the back row, a position of high honor only for the tallest girl. So I went from being too tall on a Monday to cool tall on a Friday because my mom and dad listened to me and problem solved without making me feel like a problem to be solved. Whoa. To problem solve without making the person feel like the problem is a gift. All my parents were good at parenting. What about you and me? Do we listen with that right attitude. Now, when I fly, I have no trouble getting my suitcases into the overhead bin. How many of you are wishing you had a little bit of my height? Anybody at the grocery store having to look for someone tall to get the green beans off the top shelf? <laughs> look at that. I'm the one they seek. They follow me around. Hey, lady, are you going to go down that row? <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> what do you need? Um... I could sit on a stool down on that level and be seen because God knew what he was doing when he chose in his love to make me me. God knew what he was doing when he chose in his love to make you you. And you are who you are supposed to be. And if there's something about you that you don't like, you can change your attitude toward it. So I've chosen, chosen to embrace my height. I didn't, all the way through ninth grade, I was, it wasn't comfortable, but it got better in age. So you got to live long enough to find out why you are the who you are. I used to say, I'm too tall. A six-year-old little boy. Dr. Kathy, lady, you're not too tall. You're really cool tall. Because see, if I say I'm too tall, that dishonors God. That would mean that at the, at the wheel of the clay or when he was knitting, he made a mistake. No, I am tall. I don't even need an adjective. I have a low voice. How many of you have heard it? Have any of you leaned over like she kind of sounds like a guy? Like I know that. I don't live in denial. Denial is not healthy. Let's grow up. I'm called Sir a lot. It's not cool. At a drive-thru restaurant, it's funny. By the way, speaking of the English language, it should not be called a drive-thru restaurant. If you work with youth, you might want to make sure they know that. <laughs> So when I'm at the menu with the microphone and I order my only healthy options, my voice is low and it's lower amplified. So they'll say that'll be 482 at the window. Sir, why get mad? Why are we so quickly offended? I know who I am. I have a low voice. I sound like a guy. It's okay. I like Chick-fil-A because they ask you your name and it's less confusing. But I drive like 120 yards and I become a woman. And, and <laughs> you know, and then... I, I could add, I did not change my gender, but I don't, can I say that here? Uh, so I'm, I'm in the car, and the kid working there is looking at the receipt, looking up. I'm supposed to be a guy in this car. And, like, I don't wear yellow ribbons and pink bows, which today might not matter anyway. Um, but I'm just screaming inside, it's mine, it's getting cold, give me my food. I say thank you and drive off. But here's what I want you to understand. Low voices are easier to hear than high voices. According to the research, low voices have more authority. According to the research, men prefer to listen to a lower voice. I have been in two documentary movies with Kirk Cameron. The new one releases June 13th and 14th in the theater. 
I have been a top 10 on Focus on the Family. We have our own podcast, and I have been told by the best of the best, Kathy, you have a perfect radio voice. God knew what he was doing when he'd chosen his love to make me me for his good and his glory, and I will own that. My soul knows it very well. Psalm 139, verse 14. My little voice didn't used to be an issue, but now that transgendered is an issue, it's an issue. And I wonder if I was today a teenager being called sir, if I might wonder if my voice was right and everything else was wrong. I have great compassion for the confused. I'm angry at the lie and the liar and the weak people who won't say yes to the yes things and no to the no things. We ought to be capable of changing our attitude toward the things that cannot change and change what you can. It, it takes pastors and volunteers Moms and dads and siblings and grandparents and the scripture from God Almighty. If we relied on ourselves, we'd all be so lost. So when I talk to young people, I, I sometimes bring that up. I don't, obviously, when I'm with children. But I want you to know that the struggle's real at times. But we can teach people to change their attitudes. Amen and amen. amen. You know, when I get hate mail, it doesn't happen often, but... When I get mail accusing me of being a man um, that's hiding, um, you know, I, I tell my staff because it's not right to carry that burden alone, and then I rip it and burn it, and, um, and then I move on. Why? Because I know God did a good thing, and I know people are confused, and that's their right, but it makes me mad. Am I making sense to anybody in the room? I, you know, I don't know what your issue is, thank you, sir, but to, for you, for us, to grow up and want to glorify God so much that we change our attitudes toward our stuff. You, you reject what God's done in your gifting. Like how many of you lust after somebody else's gifts and you don't acknowledge your own? I don't know if that's relevant, but in our comparisonitis of the social media age, it's so easy to reject who you are and what you have because somebody else appears to have something better and something more, and that's ultimately going to kill you. Well, if I could share with you the fifth idea that I have related to how we make sure that purpose can be fulfilled. We believe at Celebrate Kids that every person created is created on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. And they need to know that in the knowing of their knowing. And especially when I speak to children and teenagers, I love to share that Jesus' attitude toward children is something they need to pay attention to. Now, this is also relevant for adults because some of you are ministering to adults who had tragic childhoods who still live there. Don't any of you know people still living there? And we don't need to look back that far that long, that often. We, we ought not let the past control, the past influences, but the past ought not to control today. But let me remind all of us that Jesus respected children. Like I said a, a little bit ago, back in the day when they were the forgotten generation and swept behind mama's skirt, if you will, Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them. Mark 10, 16. And then one of my favorite verses is read in, in Matthew 19.14. Matthew 19.14, when the learned men were trying to push the children out of the way because Jesus was there, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. 
He was busier than you'll ever be with a more important agenda than we'll ever have. Let the little children come to me. I remember when I taught second graders in Lafayette, Indiana, and I had recess duty, and I would say to my children, I'm going to pretend, and you're going to pretend, that I am in a refrigerator box. It's magic. I can see you, but you cannot see or talk to me. Go play. <laughs> can anybody relate to that? I wanted my 15-minute break. I mean, I love them, and I love teaching, but there were days when I just needed that 15-minute break. And children have an imagination, so I wanted them to use it. You know, leave me alone. And then I would hear, I would hear like Jesus, right up here. <clears throat> Kathy, <laughs> let the little children come to you. I'm like, all right, all right. You know. <laughs> Matthew 18, 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. We better be better in the church than they are across the road. To honor children, which is where it starts, to honor teens, to honor the inner child of the lost adults, to honor the questions of the confused. You know, when you have adults come into your fellowship who don't know the Lord Jesus, who have never been loved unconditionally the way that you are able to, they will have these issues. As adults, let the adults come to me. In addition to reminding all of us of the power of the ministry of Jesus toward children, could I just close by reminding all of us that young people in the holy, accurate, transforming word of God are used in the Old and New Testament. Caleb, Daniel, David, so many, including Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior. I don't worship her, but boy, do I respect her. 13 or 14 years old, when the angel knocked on the door, if you will. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Oh, what a greeting to have the identity of, oh, favored one. Undereducated. Inexperienced because she had to be a virgin. But available. Willing. Devoted. Ready to rise up and walk out. She didn't say, oh, there's a Mary who lives around the corner. You probably meant her. <laughs> My gosh. She knew For us to live like Mary, not rejecting the call from God that we would serve, I'm so proud of you. Luke 1.38 is one of maybe the most humbling of all verses in the scripture, my opinion, you don't have to agree. Mary responds, you know, she's like, how will this be? Which is a legitimate question. She's a virgin for Pete's sake. How will this be? And then, she responds in chapter 1, verse 38, I am the servant of the Lord. See, if that's your identity, you know you can do all things. Amen? I am the servant of the Lord. It is not about me. Performing. And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. When I read the Holy Accurate Transforming Relevant Word of God, I want to read it with Mary's heart 
Oh, let it be to me according to your word. I used to try to white out a few verses. Anybody? Am I among friends? Like, instead of the highlighter, I'd like accidentally grab that little whiteout pen. <laughs> let it be to me according to your word. She was young and willing. Raised on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. You make such a difference in your assembly, in your fellowship, and in your church. When you raise up the people you serve with and love to believe in their believing, that they have purpose now and in the days to come. Father God, would you help us? Would you help us take this information to heart and do something positive with it? Father God, for those who have listened so beautifully that have found these challenges relevant to them, Father God, don't let them not apply them. Father God, compel us and cause us and motivate us and inspire us and continue to teach us that we would be more for you. If anybody is doubting these are true, help them to seek your truth and the people in this room who love them and can help them. And for those who have thought of the children and the teens and the adults they serve with and they serve and they see that, oh, this was relevant for, for um, Hazel and this was relevant for, for Fred, you know, Father God, would you cause those conversations to happen soon? That would be such a blessing that you would allow us to put this message into practice for your good and your glory. Oh, what an honor to be servants of yours. Help us to do it even better. In Jesus' name I pray with tremendous optimism because your people... Oh, I can tell they love you so. Oh, Father God, what a joy to be together. And I pray optimistically in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.